everyone. You're listening to the Animal Health Podcast with me, Kathy Davis. Today is our fifth episode in a series which digs into the science behind trace minerals for New Zealand livestock. Here with me to explain why animals need these minerals and how they work is veterinarian Dr. Peter Pulford. Hi, Peter. Hi, Kathy. So this time, our trace mineral is selenium. Let's start with a bit of a rundown on how selenium influences animal health and production. What role does it play, biologically speaking? Well, in the first instance, selenium functions as an antioxidant. So basically, this means it neutralizes free radicals, which are unstable molecules or atoms that can damage cells inside the body. Free radicals are caused by several different things, including infection, normal metabolic processes and aging. And they are continually produced inside animals, just as they are inside humans. Selenium is one of several antioxidants that can stop free radicals from getting out of control, and thus it helps to maintain healthy growth, immune function, and productivity. It acts in a very similar way to vitamin E in this respect. Beyond that, selenium is also tied to the production of active thyroid hormone, which you may remember we discussed back in episode two when we talked about iodine. Active thyroid hormone influences several critical processes in the body, including those to do with energy, growth and reproduction. So it's something we're always mindful of when it comes to animal health. And while iodine is often the first mineral people think about in terms of active thyroid hormone, selenium is of similar importance. Animals with adequate levels of iodine in their bodies could still have a problem with active thyroid hormone if they're selenium deficient. What exactly qualifies as a deficiency, Peter? Is there a known level of selenium that is required for animals to function properly? Yes, there is. Um, A number of studies have been carried out here in New Zealand looking at how animals respond to different dose rates. Um, These have mainly been done in sheep. Typically, they involve giving increasing doses of selenium in the feed and monitoring the subsequent growth rates of the treated animals. The figure that's been identified as optimal for both sheep and cattle, it's the same, is relatively low, 0.03 milligrams of selenium per kilogram of dry matter. Additional selenium beyond that point uh, doesn't seem to have any benefit in terms of growth or productivity of the animals. So what happens if this small amount of selenium is not available? How would farmers see this reflected in their animals? So the classic signs of selenium deficiency are ill thrift and poor growth, animals that simply don't do as well as they should, well-bred lambs on good feed, for example, that don't grow to their full potential and assuming no other health issues are at play, such as parasites, could be selenium deficient. There's also quite an important effect on fertility and reproduction, particularly in sheep. If selenium is deficient prior to mating, Embryos often don't make it far past conception. In other words, the animals will return to heat in about five or six weeks, having lost the embryo. And that's always a warning sign. This can have significant economic implication for sheep farmers. What about white muscle disease? Or is that something that no longer exists? Well, that's an interesting point. White muscle disease, or nutritional muscular dystrophy, 
is definitely the condition that people would most commonly associate with lack of selenium. And it was first reported in lambs in New Zealand nearly 70 years ago, back in 1953. I thought it was historic. Um, interestingly, I visited a clinic down south a couple of years ago and one of the vets there had literally just been out on a farm where the lambs had died of white muscle disease. He showed me some photographs he'd taken and I'd never seen anything quite like it. The affected muscles were literally as white as paper. So are there parts of New Zealand where selenium deficiency is more of an issue than others? Oh, it's certainly more localised maybe than some of the trace minerals we've discussed in the past. If you look at a map of New Zealand showing selenium responsive areas, as determined by the historic lamb growth trials, you'll see that most of them are in the bottom half of the South Island, with small pockets in the North Island. But the thing to note here is that these are by no means cut and dried. In many instances, quite noticeable selenium deficiencies have been recorded in animals farmed in areas considered to have just marginal or even normal soil levels of selenium. Why might that be? Well, one factor could be that different plant species take up different rates of selenium out of the soil. White clover, for example, has a lower rate of uptake than ryegrass, and ryegrass in turn has a lower rate of uptake than brown top. Deep-rooted crops also tend to pick up more selenium than shallow-rooted ones. Another issue can be the application of fertilisers, certainly historically superphosphate with a high sulphur content. Sulphur can substitute for selenium in growing plants. We spoke last time about the pasture samples analysed by AgriSearch at its Herbish Analysis Laboratory, if you recall, and how so many of those in the five years between 2001 and 2006 were too low in copper for cattle. In that same review, about 25% of those samples also did not meet the daily selenium requirements for cattle and sheep. The availability of selenium from soil is also affected by the pH and also the rainfall. So there can be seasonal variations as well. And animals from different farms in the same area can have completely different selenium levels just due to the different way that farmers are supplementing their animals with selenium. Hmm. Would there be uh, seasonal variations in animal demand on top of seasonal variations in availability? Definitely. Winter is the time when selenium levels often get hammered in animals. Stock that are wintered off often show significant depletion in selenium levels because they're usually on a relatively low dry matter intake for maintenance rather than production. And if they're pregnant at the same time, the demand for selenium will be high for the growing fetus, which compounds the situation. How easy is it to determine the selenium status of your animals, Peter? Well, in the case of selenium, blood tests are actually a very useful diagnostic tool, and you don't have to take as many samples to get a sound result as you do for other trace minerals. For sheep and cattle, only small numbers of samples can be enough to get a good handle on selenium status. Just five blood samples from a flock or herd of virtually any size should provide sufficient information. You can measure the amount of selenium in blood or serum, which will tell you what the current selenium status of the flock or herd is. Or you can measure the levels of the enzyme glutathione peroxidase, which contains selenium, in the blood, which will show uh, what things were like a few weeks ago. Or you could uh, also take liver samples, they're very useful, uh, from cull animals. When's a good time to test? 
Well, if we're talking about sheep, you obviously want to be sure that your ewes have adequate selenium in their bodies prior to mating to minimise the risk of those potential fertility and reproductive issues associated with active thyroid hormone production. So they should be tested before the rams go out. Selenium deficiency is not regarded as seriously in terms of reproduction for cattle as it is for sheep, but both beef and dairy cows do require adequate selenium for mating. And because often winter is associated with selenium depletion, it's a very good idea to check the status of the animals in the autumn. So if you do identify a deficiency, what forms of supplementation are available? And what are some of the things that need to be considered in choosing a supplement? Well, historically, top dressing pasture with selenium prills was very common. And there are still products available for this and some farmers still using selenium prills. Today, selenium can be administered directly to animals in several different ways, in drenches, via injections and through the water. There are two different forms of selenium available. Sodium selenate, which is very soluble and gives a big spike in the blood selenium lasting for around a month. And that can often be found in selenized drenches, which are administered orally. And it's also commonly added to injectable vaccines. Then there's barium selenate, which is a specific injectable form of selenium supplement that releases selenium slowly into the bloodstream over a much longer time. In a fully grown animal, that can be up to 12 months. The main thing to bear in mind is that there are potentially multiple sources of selenium being used throughout the year. And because so many routine animal health inputs like drenches and vaccines nowadays are selenized, and they don't all act in the same way. Okay, this sounds like a discussion that's best had with your vet. Yes, that's correct. They'll be able to plan the appropriate diagnostic testing at the right time and give advice on the best forms of supplementation. Thank you, Peter. That's been really interesting. That concludes this episode of the Animal Health Podcast. For more advice on selenium, have a word with your vet. And if you'd like to learn more about other essential trace minerals like cobalt, iodine, zinc, and copper, check out our other episodes. Thank you for listening. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sullivan LA, only available from your local veterinarian.